0: 22 of Romans 1, professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds, and four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Great God Almighty, your word is truth. Thank you for giving us your word. You have revealed who you are. And not only have you given natural revelation, but you've given us revelation that is very particular about salvation, about who you are, who man is, all the important ingredients. And you've revealed that in a way that is beyond our imagination and how you have told who you are, what you expect from man. Lord, we look at this today and we see what happens to most people in this world, whether it be in the past, uh, whether it be in the present, or in the future. And yet we know that this all is looking to the very good news, but we know the good news. First has to be preceded by the bad news of how evil man is, how holy you are. Help us to grasp a little bit more of your nature today, Lord, as we look at your holy word. Amen. We take a hold of our scripture and we start right at verse 22. Uh, We get that idea of abandonment of God starting in verse 24, which is in our text, and then later on in verse 26, (laughs) which is not today. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. And then uh, in verse 28, God gave them over to a depraved mind. He gave them over. He abandons them. He lets them do what they want to do. And when man does what he wants to do, folks, it's really, really evil and wicked. And we're getting a big taste of that within the last couple of years. Um, Fools here, that's what they become. Because they reject the truth, and then they profess to be wise. At the end of verse 21, that's where we left off. Their foolish thoughts became futile, empty. The heart was darkened. They now have speculations, reasoning, thinking that is their own. It comes from their own mind. It comes from their education, and their culture. They come up with these great reasonings without God and his wisdom so anytime man comes up with a thought that is not of God and not honoring God it is something to watch out for and uh, so man becomes foolish he thinks he's really wise and lo and behold he does not know that he is naked before God with no wisdom but his foolishness and Ignorant thoughts. That's the idea here. He thinks he's figured it all out. He's got it together. He is now Mr. Wise Man. And, you know, he's actually become stupid. That's what man will always do. They have a lot of revelation that God has given them, and he can give them more as they seek him out. But if they don't seek him out, they will go even worse and they are in a free fall. Human wisdom, the theories of man, all the the ideas, they take the truth and spin it in the way that they want to their empty imaginations. The word there for wisdom is sophos, uh, or we've heard the word sophisticated, or how about this, sophomore? That really means soph is Wise, wisdom, and more is moron. So you put that together and you've got it. And those words appear in our text today. Uh, But it comes from that sofa street. Uh, So it's all dealing with wise, wisdom. They think they have the answers to everything. Uh, You ever talk to some people that uh, comes from a different generation or a different way of thinking? And you go, whoa, this is way off. This is really bad. Where are they coming from on this? They, be, they become skeptical about everything that is truth, and they start buying things and thinking things in their mind, and they become agnostic, uh, or actually, they become very religious when they become agnostic. It takes great faith to believe that, that if they go ahead and take it to the atheistic view, which they really can't be that, but they come to thinking, come to think that they are the ones with all the wisdom about what God is or what He's not. People have put Him into their own minds. Their problem is, is their natural wickedness. Uh, there have been philosophers down through the ages, and I won't say every philosopher is actually bad. Uh, philosophy actually needs to love wisdom. And if you're a Christian, you actually are, if I can say this, don't get it wrong, you are a philosopher. You love to study the things of God, the wisdom of God, that's good. Or at least principles. There are people who are not believers that have principles that are true and they hang on to those. And so there have been philosophers down through the ages who have been believers and some have not been believers, but some of them were people that did have some wisdom that was helpful. Um, The only thing is, when you see the way that it actually goes, it goes into empty deception. Um, The philosophers love their own thinking rather than what God has said. And that's the kind of philosophy that we talk about when we go to Colossians 2.8. So, we see there that Paul gives a warning. Uh, It's Christ alone, not philosophy. How does that go along with our sola Christus, right? And that's the idea of chapter 2 here. It's not anything else. No other writings, no other thoughts from mankind, or other books that they have that they say it's inspired. Um, This Is what Paul warns. See to it, as verse eight, that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Where do we get our wisdom? It's really from Christ. That's really the only place. And anything that really is truth, it comes from God. This is uh, talking about, as Paul writes to the Colossians, uh, Colossians, this is about the useless musings here of a darkened heart. The rudiments, the, the little foundations of such that they have, the little basic principles that they have is so rooted in foolishness, the way that they interpret the world and the world around them. Second Timothy 3.13, Paul writes to Timothy, gives him the warning, But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse. Deceiving and being deceived. You say, well, I understand that. It's always been that way, but you notice that it gets worse. It gets worse and it keeps getting worse. So finally Christ will have to come back. And of course there's a time of tribulation that will have never been before. And talking about judgment from God it's there is an abandonment he lets man do what he wants and he wreaks havoc God is there God is bringing on his wrath and it just goes to there and it's that's the way the world is going they have gone from revelation of God and that they would have so desired they could have learned what the Word of God is about and know the truth of it there, but they took the revelation of natural, just natural knowledge about creation and what he gave uh, into in, their own lives, that, that is there, and it's all revealed by God, but they turn their back on that truth and they go to philosophy, something that is anti-God. Has no truths of God. And it's really human, infantile thinking. It rejects the revelation that God has given and it turns the light that they had given, what little light that they had, now turns to darkness. Now we're sitting here this morning reading the word of boy, do we ever have the light? You know, he transferred us from that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The light is truth. The world doesn't want truth and they hide the truth all the time from us, don't they? Constantly hiding truth. Keep it back. They cannot perceive truth. They don't want it. They can't perceive it. They can't understand it. They cannot discern. So they Say they're wise. Professing to be wise, and these can be the great professors in the universities, who have no wisdom to offer at all. It's It's been going on for decades now. Would you want to send your child to these institutions? First thing they do is start talking about that God doesn't exist start challenging those kids that grew up in church and all of a sudden a lot of them, quote, lose their faith. Heard it over and over and over and over and over. Just let them get around that kind of crowd and if they're not rooted into the Word of God, they will fall. That's sad. That's the way that it goes. They take There was revelation and it goes to this kind of philosophy. Now it says that they... uh, Think they're wise, but they become fools, and that word there is moros or moron. Uh, Be careful about calling people fools and morons. God's word says it. Uh, We can let him bring that forth. It means intellectual ignorance. It means also a moral perversion that's involved. It's not just intellectually, but it's also a perversion in their acts, Uh, their understanding, so a moral intelligence as well as an intellectual folly and also moral folly and outright wickedness. That's a moron. They scorn the truth, they make fun of it, and they make radical claims about how wise they are and the thinking they have. And you're just a fool because you believe in the gospel and you believe that Bible, you believe that's really true. Man wrote that. That's what they will tell you. Oh, ultimate insanity. When people have had that revelation and they go to that level, what a claim of wisdom, right? Let's go to Psalm 14.1 and this is where we grab this thought at that God says this. The fool has sit in his heart. There is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. See, they don't have any clue of who they are and what they've done and what they are doing. They are corrupt. They committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. It's really all of us, isn't it? We were that way. But if we belong to Christ, we are not fools. We have wisdom. We have the wisdom of Christ. Look in Titus 3, 3, right after the Timothys, you have Titus. Chapter 3, verse 3. For we also once were foolish ourselves. There it is. You said, I'm not foolish. I said, never a fool. Well, <laughs> oh, God says you were. <laughs> we were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, Enslaved to various lusts and pleasures. Enslaved to them. Spending our life in malice and envy. Hateful. Hating one another. Then it talks about the kindness of God. <laughs> but that's where it is for the moment. We actually were morons. We were fools. Isaiah chapter 47 verse 10 You felt secure in your wickedness and said, No one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge, they have deluded you. For you have said in your heart, I am, and there is no one besides me. This was a battle on. But it's individuals too, isn't it? Really, we make ourselves out to be God. Even the New Age movement, the whole idea was to be able to say I am God. I am God. I am God. I am God. Keep repeating it and you'll believe it, right? As they said. New age on, you know, it started back in the 80's. Uh, they don't even use that terminology anymore you know at all. They rarely to hear that. It's because it's a way of life now. That's what it is. And that's what people want. They want to be God. That was the problem Adam and Eve had. You shall be like God. Satan says, hey, you know, when you take that fruit there, God's forbidding, and guess what? You will know good and evil. You will know like God knows. He was saying you can be like God. Hmm. Now, illogical thinking cannot perceive the truth. People become wise in their own conceits. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17 through 25, let's look at what true wisdom really is. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17, where he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. That's what Paul is all about. He came here to preach the gospel. Not in cleverness of speech. It wasn't those great big words it's going to use to impress everybody so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. Here we go. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Remember the gospel? Uh, Romans 1, 16 and 17. The gospel is the very power of God. Paul boasting in that, nothing in and of themselves. For he says, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, that foolishness, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Show me yourself, he says. Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. Oh, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Actually, that is the wisdom, isn't it? To Jews, a stumbling block. And to Gentiles, it's foolishness. But to those who are the cold, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God, God's not foolish, God is not weak, but he uses this, stretches it all out, okay, if they are wise, And God's fool, well, even my foolishness is wiser than men. My weakness is stronger than men. So there is the power of the gospel. What did worldly wisdom do to transform lives? To take one from the sinfulness and the evil wickedness that the heart was, and transform them into new creatures of God. Can any wisdom of man do that? No book, no speeches, no leaders can do that. They have no power to do that. We do not have the power, but we have a message. We have the greatest message that's ever been brought here to
1: this planet. It's a
0: blunt, clear message that the deplorable Christians carry to a lost and dying world. The message is delivered and exceeds all the tangled mess that the world has got into in the human philosophy. The biggest fool is the one who rejects the light that God gives him and goes into darkness. Then he rationalizes that darkness into saying that he is wise and he thinks he's a supermind. He's got it now. He's heard all the other stuff all of his life and now he gets to change because there was so much that he got to, he missed in the world of light. And so God didn't meet his standards and what he wanted, so he went into the cesspool and converted that into a supermind. A moron. It's that symbol. It's what they become. So, as we read here in our Romans 1, we've talked about what true wisdom is. And of course, they profess to be wise. They become fools. After refusing truth at the highest level possible, God, God's the creator, he descends into a pit muck and mire. Paganism, it's called the pit of religion. Hmm. Do you know that everybody's religious? Uh, You're going to have faith in something. If you don't have faith in Christ, don't have faith in God, you put your faith in yourself, you put your faith in Others and whatever else that you could make up to make you feel comfortable because God doesn't make you feel comfortable. And if one knows the gospel, they see themselves as sinners and they don't want to hear that. So man did not ascend out of the muck and the mire. You see, he descended into that. You know what the world says? The exact opposite. The world says that man is ascending. Paganism. That's what man actually goes to. They leave the one true God. They eliminate the true God in their thinking. All at the same time, shoved way back in their consciousness. They know that God is there. They don't like it. Of course, that's what we do. We repress memories a lot, don't we? Get into the psychologist, and one of the things they'll do is they'll try to get that memory that you have and bring it out. And let's get to the real truth of it all. It might even make things up. And you start believing things you didn't even do or had. It, it, there's a guilt there. They want to get rid of that guilt. Well, that's true. We need to get rid of our guilt, don't we? Yeah, we do. You see, when God abandons people, they have a guilt. But when God comes and gives regeneration to us, we see that guilt and we want it out. We want to get rid of it. We don't want to put it back. We want to get rid and He forgives us. He forgives our guilt. All of it. He takes care of it all. Isn't that great? There's a lot of things you'll never ever remember, and don't even try to bring it all up. It's God has forgiven us. And so man leaves the knowledge of God. So he can do what he wants and not feel guilty, but the guilt is still there. He has a problem. God has abandoned him. He needs God, but they don't want God. They go back to that thing that they try to forget. So man is on a decline. He's on a steady decline. He's actually in a free fall. He's going. God lets him go, go further down. God reveals who he is. Man rejects. He's left with blackness of intellectual darkness and he rationalizes that he is right in everything that he believes, no matter what his mind is trying to come up with the truth. So what he does, he demands a God. He demands some kind of a religion that will take the spot that left, him, that he tried to leave. I just get away from that thinking. So they leave the God who is eternal. And it says here, they exchange the glory of the incorruptible God. God is not corrupting. As he is now, he has always been. He will always be. He does not change. There is no corruption. He's not winding down. Science actually says that everything is winding down. And that's very true in science, right? Not God, but everything is going to burn up. It's going to evaporate. it, It goes. It leaves. And so that is what corruption is. Decay. God does not corrupt. He does not decay. But they exchange the life of God to the image that they make. whether it be an image mentally that they put in their minds or an image that they physically make and put before them. And so there we are. They now have a God that they invent that makes it very convenient now to live with. They can live with this kind of God. That's why they want to repress the truth of the true God because they can't live with that kind of thinking, that kind of God. They don't want that. So they put in another God. Whatever somebody suggests or whatever they make up, they have now a God of their own. You see, you see the descent of man that continues here in verse 23, corruptible man, and it starts from man. Well, it has been going with God. Now it's man. And then birds and four-footed animals, and then crawling creatures. In your science books of the day, everything is a fact of evolution, and they have that. And of course, even in my time, I saw that in our science books, where they have lowly creatures, and they get more and more thought until they finally become man. What does God start with here? God, and then Man who's under him, and then what do we have? It just keeps on going down. That's a descending. That's, that's where man is, has arrived. That's where he has gone. Um, let's start with the lowest first, and we we'll go back up. Crawling creatures. Uh, Egypt had beetles that they worshipped. They had flies that they worshipped. And the Greeks and the Romans, the Romans had, uh, right in Rome, it was a temple uh, um, that had flies kind of etched in all around this temple. It was Hercules, actually. And so they worshipped flies. And there was a god of flies. Uh, You might remember that. That was Beelzebub, right? And we see that name in, in the Bible. Um, snakes. Oh yeah, here that. And uh, then we have an image in the form uh, of crawling creatures, and then four-footed animals. You have the bigger kind of creature. We can start with mice and rats. And we know that India definitely puts them on a scale to be worshipped. And Egypt also. And Egypt had storks as their gods. Storks? Bulls? That's getting up there, you know, on on a higher level there. Of course, uh, uh, the Israelites kind of took off on that idea of the bull, didn't they? How about the golden calf? Would you think they got the idea of the calf from the Egyptians? And they called that calf god. Yahweh. He was. Uh, they called him by the right name. They just worshipped him the wrong way, is what they were doing. Uh, so we have the crawling things, and then the four-footed animals, and then the birds, and we well, I'll get a little bit higher here. And you think of it eagles, and the Romans definitely had the eagle as their symbol, and they worshipped the eagle, and they would even put it on their uh, shields. Uh, they would put it on staffs. They would bring it into the city of Jerusalem. And that really made the Jewish people in Jerusalem very angry whenever they brought on those standards with the eagle representing idolatry, pagan idolatry. Not here, you don't. So that was quite an uprising. And then you have man Uh, At the top of this list here, an image of man. And of course, that happens. uh, There was, at Rome, uh, Caesar's. And they would have Caesar put on the coins. Of course, they would use those coins in Jerusalem, too. And that would make the Israelites very angry, too. You see, they did know what Exodus 20 said, where it talks about to have no images for them. Images are all around today. They're everywhere. gods of the Mesopotamia we know that they had a, a god of uh, whether he was like human he, he was yet a god of war a god of uh, I guess you could say the sky a god of uh, weather whether it be god of tornadoes god of hurricanes the god of water the god of fire god for everything and that's why when you get into Hinduism They have millions of gods in their belief. You never know them all, could you? But that's what man does as he gets there. Uh, In the first law of Exodus 20, God says, You shall have no other gods or idols before me. Nothing that takes my place. You put me first and first only. I'm it. I'm the only God. And man has violated this tremendously, hasn't he? This is the history of man. That's what they've done. He said, well, we don't have those uh, images and idols today. We're a little bit better, aren't we? Uh, Well, actually, um, when you reject the true God, you affirm in your own mind that you are wise. And now your own wisdom and whoever else believes in that wisdom or helps you get to that, we know that uh, that is the truth that uh, one would desire to turn away from God. They worship themselves, but listen to this. We have other gods here in this world today. Uh, and matter of fact, they're very sophisticated self-wisdom. Today we have science that people worship. They will use the word science to uh, attack your wrong political beliefs or your wrong wrong religious beliefs. But sometimes that science is not even science. It's just something they made up. That's what idolatry is. People worship secularism. People uh, worship humanism, nationalism, naturalism. People worship rock singers. People worship power, movie stars. People worship great athletes of the day, NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL. Man, it's idolatrous. In America, we are idolaters. This nation is made of idolaters. Who do they worship? What do they worship? It's not something out there that's visible, I can guarantee you. It boils down to you. They worship themselves. It's what life is about to them. And somewhere down the line, they have a belief in the true God. But they have to create some God of their own to get away with it. Dealing with their conscience, with this reasoning and actions that they have. So the end result is religion. That's what you see in this idolatry right here in verse 23. They exchange the truth, the glory of God. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. They trade that and they fall on this. Do you see how that falls? We, we started with, with all that light, and now we've gotten to crawling creatures ants, flies, bugs. Beetles. Yeah, yes, people did worship the Beetles back in the 60s. <laughs> Different Beetle. Okay, now we get to what our title is. And it'll probably be really quick and probably tie some of this into what we do next week. And it does tie in because you have got it. I gave them over in 24. Verse 26, God gave them over. And verse 28, God gave them over. Three times. And he says, therefore, here's where man is gone. Man worships something. You either serve God or he served. See? Bob Dylan wrote that. It's in the Bible though, really. You've got to serve somebody, you've got to worship somebody. They didn't. Seen where it takes them, how ridiculous is that? Well, this is why God abandons them. It says therefore, which means what? What's the therefore therefore? Because God gave them over in the lust of their hearts. Actually, because of their sinfulness and what's all right here. That's the downward spiral. When God lets them go and sin and do what they're doing, they're getting away with it, aren't they? Actually, no. It looks like God's not called to get away with it.
1: But it almost
0: seems like a hands-off approach, but it's, it's much more than just hands-off. This definitely is a wrath of God, and I'll get to that in a moment. But you wonder how did this happen. We already talked about it from the very get-go here, from the introduction, because in verse 18, he gives them the truth, but they, the wrath of God against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. And it says, because they suppress the truth. They hold it down. They don't want God's truth. They reject Him. And here is the freefall then. So how is God's wrath being revealed? By Giving them up. Giving man up to their sinfulness. He can take away sin right now. You know what? He is restraining. And if he didn't like sin, we wouldn't have even been born. Man would destroy himself. So there is a restrainer there until at one time there will be a great restrainer moved. Tribulation, we see that. You see, God is angry with the apostasy that is gone forth. He lets them go to the consequences that are going to follow. It looks so good. It feels so good. It seems so right. And it's great. It looks good. What they're falling into, they have no idea. The thing is, the Lord knows the very consequences is the very outworking of the wrath of God. Men today would live their own life in sin. So you see, they don't see the wrath of God, but it's outworking. It's they're doing it, and it's the result of their own sinfulness, the consequences that result in the free fall. And like I say, it's like God says, okay, go ahead and do that, but it's more than that. It's, I think I was reading um, James Montgomery Boyce. And he says, the full idea of, It's not just sounding like God lets them just go into that sinful direction. But it gives it over to the consequences because of the rebellion and their sinful directions that are taken. And he made a picture like this. It's like taking a water pitcher, of porcelain, holding it up like this. That would be equal to God restraining this from falling. He just uses laws. Uh, There's the law of gravity. The law of gravity says if I let this go, where's it going to go? It's going to go to the floor. It's going to break. It's going to make a mess. God has already set laws. God already knows what's going to happen to them. The wrath of God is giving them over into that wickedness where they'll go further and further and further. And that's why when we look into it next week, it's that passage of going into such a sin that is so obvious how bad it is. And God lets them go to that and we see what you get out of not only the individuals, but the whole nation. It's been done in the past over and over and over. Roman Empire same way that other empires have done same way empires do all along he takes that porcelain picture because of the law of gravity it falls down it breaks that's what happens to mankind it is on a downward spiral Hosea 417. and I know I'm, I'm really uh, about the end of the message here, but just to kind of get it set up for next week. Uh, I said 417, and I'm, not, I'm not in the right place. And it says, Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. And God directed, course, the enemy to come and take those ten tribes of Israel. Let him alone. Look in Matthew 15, 14. Let him alone. Let them go to the very consequences that this will take us. Talking about Pharisees, let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. If you follow them, and that worldly wisdom, they are a perfect example of it. They'll fall into the pit. You will too. Acts chapter 14, verse 16. In the generations gone by, he permitted, look at this, all the nations to go their own ways. He permitted it. He turned it over to their less their creative minds. He just lets them go. You know what that is? That's abandonment. Like, see, there's different degrees of abandonment. But he abandoned mankind. He let the nations do what they want. That's why they do what they do. That's why they're doing today what they're doing. Although their restraints are being taken off, it seems like, even more and more. We'll do things like never been done before. Let's do one more. It's a Revelation. In an incredible verse here, it's the back of the book, chapter 22, verse 11. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. What? one who is filthy still be filthy. And that's the way it'll be in hell. But if they're not redeemed, let them continue to be in their wrong. To be in their filth. You see, they're wicked. Let them continue to do with it. That's all. He knows very well what the consequences are going to be. Because they want that. You see, they don't want God. On earth here, would be hell to them. Now, Boyce goes on to say, I don't know why Paul set out to trace this downward path of human beings. He concentrated on sexual sins here, and especially as we progress further on next week. Uh, he could probably have chosen other sins as well. But he says that sexual sins are so visible... And it caused so much damage. Murder, fornication, adultery, broken marriages, you go on and on and on. It destroys families. It's so evident, he says. It's so obvious. It's a stinking cesspool of corruption. In Paul's day, a lot of this stuff was going on. You've heard about the Romans. And they turn to such immoral things all the way into the uh, immorality of homosexuality and lesbianism. It's not a pleasant thing to be thinking about, but when man abandoned God, God abandons them, and their own sin just takes over. They cannot reverse it. No man can do that. Only God can. And so I just touched on 24 and 25. I'll read it. God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, uh, it's the homosexual sins, that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshipped, there's that worship, and served the creature, and we looked at those in verse or anything that they made but the creature, the animals that God made rather than the creator. The creator. If you can reject that there's a creator you just rejected all of that stuff and now I can have the fun of my life. That's the way they do what they do. The creator blessed forever. He is incorruptible. They are corruptible. They die. Idols die. God lives on. He's always been here. He's eternal. God bless forever. Amen? Amen? And then he goes and hits it even harder. And that's where we'll leave off. If we here though, if Paul said that's it and boom, there's no more woman's that would be very sad you see, there's the good news of the gospel of the glory and the grace of God that converts sinners into people who have eternal life that's the good news The bad news has to be delivered first, and so that's why Paul stops there and continues on. But he will give the good news, and we read it earlier this morning in Romans 3. As you saw, the depravity of man and nothing good, and then all of a sudden we see the very gospel of God, the light of God coming forth, and wow, that is what we have to look forward to. We as believers, we do have the good news, don't we? God who abandoned us came to us and saved us while we were ungodly. Let's pray. Father, great God, thank you for this time of worship. Being the Word making you glorious. You are the great, holy, awesome God. We want to worship you. Because you put that into our hearts. We didn't before, but when you came to us, we desire to worship. More and more do we desire to worship. The more we find out about you, we go from one level of glory to another. Till one day we are in glory with glorious bodies, worshiping a glorious God. Father, thank you for scriptura, which is alone. Nothing else can compare it to it. Lord, as we continue on with our our communion this morning, may we continue to glorify your holy name. And your second name.